if top down was all that mattered, top down would have already given us Bitcoin. We needed ground up for Bitcoin to even have a chance at existing. Greetings and salutations, my fellow plebs. My name is Walker, and this is the Bitcoin Podcast. The Bitcoin block height is 812500, and the value of one Bitcoin is still one Bitcoin. Today's episode is Bitcoin Talk, where I talk with my guest about Bitcoin and many other things as well. Today, that guest is Ben Perrin, aka BTC Sessions. We talk about everything from Bitcoin to Noster to totalitarianism to Ben's plans for his recent HRF grant to censorship to InSync to Ben's ideal Bitcoin app and a whole lot more. But one of the central themes we dug deep into was top-down versus bottom-up Bitcoin adoption. I think you'll enjoy this episode. I know I sure enjoyed filming it. You can watch the video version of The Bitcoin Podcast on Rumble, YouTube, or X by searching at Walker America, or listen on Fountain.fm or wherever you get your podcasts. If you listen to The Bitcoin Podcast on Fountain, consider giving the show a boost or creating a clip of something you found interesting. For those that have boosted the show already or zapped me on Noster, thank you. And if you haven't checked out Fountain yet, I highly recommend it. You can send Bitcoin to your favorite podcasters and earn Bitcoin just for listening. Without further ado, let's get into this Bitcoin talk with BTC Sessions. Greetings and salutations, my fellow plebs. My name is Walker and this is the Bitcoin Podcast. I'm joined today by BTC Sessions for a Bitcoin talk. He is a Bitcoin educator extraordinaire, dare I say, content creator uh, with 81.4 thousand subs on YouTube, over 1,300 videos he's created just on YouTube alone, and around 8.5 million views. In addition to his online presence, he holds in-person workshops at Bitcoin conferences, and he's really become a go-to resource for any sort of how-to video you need about practical Bitcoin questions, whether it be wallets, hardware, security exchanges, whatever you need, I guarantee Sessions has a video for it. He also hosts interviews and asks his famous question, why are we bullish or why are you bullish? Um, and in addition to all of that, uh, Ben, which is his actual name, it's not BTC, uh, is a family man and all around solid guy. And so Ben, BTC Sessions, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, man. I, I wish I had as smooth of an intro voice as you. <laughs> but, you know, I, we, all, we all play the hands were dealt, right? So uh, I appreciate that. But you're not doing so bad yourself. I wish I had as smooth of hair as you, but, you know, what could I say? That's impossible. No, it, <laughs> Nico tried. He couldn't quite make it, you know. But Well, well so, uh, Ben, I will refer to uh, sessions interchangeably as Ben and BTC Sessions just for the audience's uh, awareness. But I, I'd love for you to just kind of start us off by telling us the story of who is BTC Sessions and how did he get here today? Yeah, um, I, it was an interesting road. Uh, so prior to Bitcoin, I was not, you know, I, I, I wasn't specializing in a field where I was actually any, doing anything technical. Um, I was actually 
<laughs> I was doing in-school residencies teaching little kids how to break dance for about a decade. Um, <laughs> so I've never seen you break dance, but now I feel like I need to. Few have. Uh, <laughs> I think wow. I did. I did bust out a little bit of something in Prague, actually. Uh, now so, I'm bummed. I missed that. Yeah, something something happened. Something went down. Uh, but yeah, no. So I I was uh, I was teaching little kids how to break dance for a decade, or you know variations of popping, locking, different styles of hip hop. I will say. Um, but uh, yeah, I did that for a long time, and. On the side, I kind of had some a few technical interests, like I would, you know, go buy old MacBooks and tear them apart and switch out the RAM and the hard drive and then resell them and things, you know, just little, just little hobby things. Um, but because of that, I would get little technical blogs and stuff in my feeds and I'd, I'd frequent TechCrunch and things like that. So I saw a few articles about Bitcoin here and there, got curious. Um, during one of the bull runs, you know, you, you see it at multiple price points and, oh, I missed the boat every single time until you didn't miss the boat and then pile in near a t an all-time high, as as we all do. Um, but yeah, so so I, I basically had that trajectory, kind of got going with it. And as I was trying to learn, I just found it was so impossible to find anything at that point in time. So that was... 2014 2015 in and around that time and i'm looking on youtube saying okay where's the tutorials there's got to be something and sweet jesus there was nothing <laughs> and every time i asked anywhere reddit was kind of the place to go um and people would be like yeah go to this blog post or go to the, go to this this forum and uh look uh, at this comment about halfway down the page and they outlined how to do it and I was like, this is, this does, this will not do. Uh, so after, after a couple of years of tearing my hair out and, um, trying to figure out just every little thing and bumbling my way through it after a couple of years, I figured, okay, I'll, I'll do the things I'm comfortable with. I'll start doing some videos cause it seems like that's something people could use. Um, and it was really just to scratch my own inch of, holy crap, how is nobody doing this yet? And so, um, 2016, I started the channel in around, I think around June of 2016. And, uh, yeah, I just told myself, okay, I'll, I'll do one video per week and, uh, you know, un until I'm bored and, uh, here we are, uh, it's It's in June of next year, it'll be eight years. So that's two full having cycles worth of wow. sessions, which wow. is wild. Um, yeah. And so I just never stopped. I've obviously increased the amount of stuff that I, I do now, but, um, you know, the tutorials are kind of the bread of the bread and butter of the, of the channel. And, and, um, here we are. And now I'm, I'm very relieved to say that I see a lot of great people that are starting to put out tutorial content. So, you know, top of mind that people like Wicked, uh, Cole, and a, a dude from South Africa, Ian, um, uh, a dude named Ian from the West Coast of Canada. There's, there's a bunch of guys that are up and coming that I think are great and that I can't wait to see more from. So I, I, I think we're going to be uh, reaching the golden age of Bitcoin tutorials come soon. Oh, I love it. I mean, so it, at this point, um, you know, it seems like there is nothing that you haven't done a tutorial on. Like it, it's kind of, that's kind of the beauty of your channel is that if somebody asks for something like, you know, you're talking with a random person on, on Noster or on Twitter and they're, you know, have a 
question that you can't just explain in a small paragraph. It's like, okay, let me just go on YouTube real quick. Let me go to sessions channel. <laughs> let me just search it. And it's like, oh, yep, there it is. It, like, it truly seems like you have covered it. And the amazing thing is for the, you know, the critics who say like that there's nothing happening on Bitcoin, it's like your channel would say otherwise because you have truly covered so many things. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's wild. I, I mean, do you, uh, how do you pick your, like your topics that you're going to cover? Is it just whatever you're kind of interested in at the time? Do you do it based on requests or is it just however it comes in, you let it go out? I, th I think it's a mix of, um, of complete selfishness <laughs> of, of me going, Oh, I really want to do this. And people nagging at me until I finally move my ass and, and cover something. So like the, the ones, the ones that I tend to easily gravitate towards is, Oh, somebody's got a, a nice app for something new that I can play around with and I get it on my phone. I can just tinker and it's fun and it's new and exciting. It does something I haven't done before, but it's pretty much right in front of my face. The, the ones that I really dragged my feet on, um, doing things like running a node or, or setting up a lightning node. Holy crap. That was, that was an undertaking with zero understanding beforehand. Um, and then even, even like BTC pay server, I just kind of, I, I put it off to the side for way too long. Um, and w with enough people saying, okay, can, can somebody do this? And so uh, eventually, and I'm so glad that I did. So yeah, it's, it's a mix of things that I, I am interested in and stumble across that I really want to do. And then things that other people tell me that I absolutely have to do that I then become enthralled by because I don't know why I waited so long to cover them. So, yeah. So, so for you are a lot of the things that you cover, like maybe you haven't actually played around with these tools before until you go in and try to make the video. And so you're kind of learning as yeah. part of teaching in a way. Yeah. Yeah. If you saw the B reel, it is so laced with <laughs> expletives. It's insane. It's like just every, every second there's an F bomb, this F bomb, that, um, many times of re-record, we, we were just talking about you having to re-record some stuff oh, from yeah. technical difficulties. You better believe that happens to me on the regular, just, uh, you know, missing audios, just dumb things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's definitely not easy. And I'm, I'm typically, unless it's something familiar that there's just a new app doing it in a different way and maybe they've cleaned it up or something. Um, if I, if you see that there hasn't been this topic covered prior, you can bet your ass that either in the 24 hours, 48 hours, or sometimes week leading up to that video dropping, I just learned all that stuff. Well, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, no, it, it, but I suppose, you know, uh, figuring out how to teach something is often one of the best ways to learn. Like it's a great yeah. hack for it. It's like, if, if you want to really know some material, figure out how you're going to be able to easily explain it to others. And so like, I mean, that's the, you are now this, you know, this encyclopedia of these sessions, which is kind of a beautiful thing. I'm curious from your perspective, is there a particular, uh, maybe whether it's software or hardware or just, uh, let's say overall technique or area of study within Bitcoin, or, you know, uh, we can go layer two as well mm -hmm. that you think a lot of, uh, 
a lot of Bitcoiners miss out on or don't take advantage of? Something that you find that you're like, wow, I can't believe more people aren't psyched about this. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, what, what I'll say around that is, is, yes, I definitely think there's a few things and I'll highlight them in a second that people have not yet dove into. But I think all of these things that I'm mentioning, they will, and they're starting to, and I can see it because I see people reaching out to say, how, how do I do this? Or, or doing one-on-ones with me, like, you know, to walk them through. But, um, so what I'll say, funny enough, a lot of the OGs, they, there's a lot of OGs that you would assume they've just been around forever. So they must know everything, but there's lots that are like, they're just like on chain maxis that right. that you kind of and I get it because if you get busy with other stuff like I'm lucky in that this is literally what I do for a living so it's like I'm out there trying every single thing all the time but it's it's wild when you know you you talk to somebody who's been in bitcoin for 10 years and they're like yeah I've never tried lightning and you're like whoa what it's, it's mind blowing yeah yeah, and like the first time, first time I tried a Lightning wallet was 2018, basically the second it was available on a mobile device. Yeah, I was going to say that's a long time before most people tried out yeah. anything on Lightning. Yeah, and I had no idea what it was. I was like, oh, great, it'll just be Bitcoin, but it'll be faster and cheaper. And then I was like, wait, what? what's a channel? Yeah. Oh, no, I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> I have to balance it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that wasn't that wasn't even part of my thinking no. at that point. I don't even think that existed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think. But yeah, so so like, you know, lightning is one where it's it's become, you know, so many people are discussing it that if you haven't tried it at all yet, it's kind of like odd. Um, but some of the ones that stand out to me would be maybe running a node, although that's become so much more accessible in the past few years with these plug and play options where it's like, oh, plug it into your router and into the wall and then just jump on any computer in the house and go on your browser. And it's just there. And that's amazing. And that's a totally different experience than anybody had in the years prior. Um, I would say that uh, a a bigger blind spot for a lot of people is multi-sig. I think and and that's i think that's reasonable i think that's a reasonable thing for people not to be well versed in but i i think it's a thing that can be quite accessible depending on the way in which you're doing it um and how it's presented and what ui you're you're exposed to but it's getting to the point where you can have like magnitudes better uh security in a very simple way that will also be accessible to your family later on. So a lot of these assisted multi-sig options, there's, there's a lot of very interesting things there. The other thing that I think is, well, I mean, mining, of course, and I, and I, mm-hmm. I'm tentative around that because I have limited experience in mining. Yeah. I've got a, I've got a, an S9 that I turned into a space heater nice. and then I've got, I've got a, a miner sitting just off to the side here in my office that is yet to be plugged in and it's like a more heavy duty like it's an m30 plus um for those that are <laughs> privy nonetheless it's a more expensive one uh but i've got to get my electrical done to be able to even do that and then maybe right. i'll use it to heat some stuff so mining maybe for some people and then the last one some newer stuff like the e-cash kind mm-hmm. of stuff 
um, in and around that, I think is interesting. And then just making the leap from Bitcoin to, to, to Noster, I think, uh, for a lot of people, that's still a bit, obviously a big blind spot for them. Cause it's, it's so new that, you know, uh, I, I definitely agree on those, uh, those points Uh multi-sig is something that I hadn't personally tried out until last year. I, I did it with nunchuck yeah. uh, and it was last, uh, this last summer. So like a little over a year ago now. And, uh, but did it out of necessity because we were organizing a donation mm-hmm. for Bitcoin Beach and it was the stack chain crew, Carlo and myself. And we were like, okay, we want to accept donations. Well, we don't just want to trust one person with this. Not that we don't trust each other, but we don't want to need to trust each other. Yeah. So, okay, let's set up a two or three multi-sig. We don't need more than that. Let's get a couple of us in here. And that was an amazing learning experience for me because honestly with Nunchuck, I'd heard about Nunchuck. I'd, you know, I downloaded it already, but I hadn't used it at all yet. Mm-hmm. And then I started using it and I was like, oh, and this is like many releases ago for them now, yeah. you know, but it, like it's gotten a lot better. But even then it was like, wow, this is super easy. And we, the three people who have never met in person at this time, mm-hmm. just were able to coordinate over the internet, set up a multi-sig, arrange donations in such a way that we had, you know, there was multiple uh, checkpoints on it. And wow, what a beautiful thing. We were able to do it in the space of, you know, minutes. And there were some learning curves along the way, just with like having a bunch of uh, small, you know, UTXOs that came in and there was some, like, we were like, why are our fees blowing out? So we, we learned, you know, we learned a lot along the way too. But um, I, I think the Noster one is another interesting one because the mining I see, but I think for a lot of people, that's like, like for you also, it involves like, okay, I need to get my electric, you know, my electric <laughs> redone. Um, I know there are multiple companies working on like better, uh, let's say home friendly options, you know, that mm-hmm. aren't just going to blow you out. Uh, but the Noster one is an interesting one to me because it seems like something that's so obvious. You have this, uh, open protocol like Bitcoin. So that's something that's familiar already. You have the ability, like when you're on Noster, you're literally using Bitcoin Granted, on Lightning, so some on-chain maxis would say that's not Bitcoin at all. But but, <laughs> but okay, it but, 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 but it is. <laughs> is Bitcoin flowing? Yes. Okay, then you're using Bitcoin. You're using yeah. a layer two, uh, whether it's custodially or non-custodially. But that's an amazing thing that just by being on this social media network, which obviously Noster can expand to be much more. But right now, you know, it's starting with what we know, what's familiar and what's needed also, which is censorship resistant social media. It, it shocks me that, and I think we've got a good, I think there's, I just checked earlier today, Primal is saying that there's about 570,000 active users on Noster, which like, okay, that's, that's quite a lot, but it's also like, that's absolutely nothing. Like yeah. that's, that's quite tiny, really. Uh, and so I, I'm always wondering, like, what is the, the hesitancy for some Bitcoiners who should just, again, get that right away? Like, okay censorship resistant social media wonderful has it's an open protocol you can build anything on it not just social media why do you think uh there there is this kind of like and you know you see it with folks on twitter like oh well that's it's not going to be Noster's not going to be around in the next year you know it's just a fad it'll the same things that you probably have been hearing for years about bitcoin Mm -hmm. what's your take on that i think i think the lead up to Noster was kind of what made people hesitant about it and what i mean by that is people saw censorship happening on twitter and other platforms and 
there's been a couple times where it was like, oh, we're all going over here. And then everybody gets over to this new thing and then it just fizzles out or, oh, there's a major problem. Like Mastodon was one of them. It's right. like, oh, host your own server and everything like that. And everybody thinks, oh, cool, decentralized. But it turns out that one person being the dictator of a server that can then just like fully deplatform you for any reason is no better than one person owning an entire social media platform. So, you know, people had already these, this PTSD from just like, censorship after censorship after you know a lack of network effects after whatever and i think that th th they also haven't taken the time to realize how nostr differs from those things mm -hmm. um and i think again like the 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 degree to which I've seen things innovate just this year cuz i dove onto nostr at the beginning like in january mm -hmm. and Shortly thereafter, I made a, a video on it. I'm shocked uh, that, there was, that there was a video involved. <laughs> yeah, but making a video for Noster is infinitely worse than making a video for Bitcoin because it goes obsolete almost immediately. Like it was laughable how obsolete my first video was by April. So I had to make another. And then I've since made another like is something slightly different, but like end of the year, I'm just going to have to just throw in the towel and be like, all right, we'll just start from scratch with an Oster again. Let's just, <laughs> let's just do it all over again because it'll be so different because it's evolving so quickly and it's becoming so much easier that like why, you know, the if you go look at my original Noster video, it's it was it was long because it needed to be because there mm -hmm. were so many different aspects that you kind of had to think about as you were starting and now you can on onboard a Nostr like in a few taps right and you're you're just there and and if you want to integrate a lightning wallet then a few more taps but like it's you know i could i could do an intro video which i think would be beneficial like a five minute get on Nostr and lightning immediately great there you go like I, yeah. I, that's possible now and so i think i think it's just a uh a function of people need to realize that you can do it quickly and easily. Um, and there's also just some things that, you know, you jump on Noster and you click on global and <laughs> holy shit. Um, who, who knows what you might get? Yeah. Yeah. But it would be good if um, we started to see things. Um, what would be actually incredibly useful is, is follow lists based on interests where you can jump onto Noster and a particular client would be like, what are you interested in? And then you tap a few options and it'll, it would bring up. Yeah. I, I'm going to blow your mind on uh, one of the, I want to say within the last month, I know at least Damas added a new feature that when you, uh, when you log in for that first time with your new NPUB and NSEC, it gives you, it's, it's a pretty, you know, short list and it's, uh, but it's like, okay, you know, are you into food? Are you into mm -hmm. photography? And it does give you a few people in each category, nice. which is like, and I think you're going to see more clients implement that. But, but another example of like things move so fast in there because the amazing thing is too, is it's like, because it's just like a couple of developers working on each client or maybe one developer on a particular <laughs> client, but these guys are somehow, uh, these guys and gals are somehow pumping out 
like they're listening to their their customers, their users, mm-hmm. and they are responding so quickly, which yeah. is just amazing to see. Like, meanwhile, on you know on Twitter, it's like you can yell about the bot problem just for so so long, and it's like even though they have the tools to be able to fix that, yeah. it's just not going to happen, you know. Yeah. But meanwhile, on Nostra, it's like hey this uh, font appeared a little bit weird for me. You're like, I don't like the way how this is. And it's like five minutes later, you know, the <laughs> dev is pushing an update, like, and not that you can expect that to continue like that forever, but it's pretty cool to see in the, in these early days, how receptive they are to the feedback and how quickly they move. Cause it's mind blowing. Yeah. Can you, I mean, I can, again, it's been what, nine months since I jumped, 10 months since I jumped on Nostra. I can't even imagine a year from now, what the experience is going to be like. It's going to be wild. And so it's just, it's only a matter of time. I think, um, and again, just how open it is. I think all that's necessary at this point is, you know, we've got the Bitcoin niche and Mm -hmm. we've, we're starting, you know, I've started to try and purposely populate my feed with, with a more diverse kind of group of topics. I'm starting to kind of hone in on that if I can. Um, but I think the next thing is just finding another niche of people to to bring over to, to Nostra. And I've seen a bit of it. Um, I think, you know, uh, the, the marriage of gaming and Bitcoin and then bringing that to Nostra and with like Nostra streaming, I think that that marriage is, is just like ripe for the picking. And I already see a it's little right bit there. of it happening. Yeah. So I think that's probably, you know, that kind of thing. And then... Uh, not to get too controversial, but you know, there's there's some ladies that enjoy uh, streaming content uh, to people that enjoy zapping them. So that's, I mean, maybe there's some dudes that would enjoy streaming content. I, I don't judge. Well, that's the thing. It's like content doesn't matter what the content is, but if a centralized platform finds it undesirable for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you can be demonetized like that. And and yeah. we've seen this over and over again, not just for, let's say, you know, X-rated content, but for just saying things that that people don't like. And so I think that that's, uh, you know, like with Bitcoin, um, you know, you don't want to have to dive into it by force, but sometimes you do. Sometimes Mm -hmm. because something happens, you're, you know, you maybe you get deplatformed and you're like, okay, I need alternative social media of some kind. What else is out there? Because I already know that Mastodon's not going to work. Blue sky is like kind of a nice idea, but it's just like weird. Um, yeah. and, and you know, okay. Uh, Twitter, I don't trust or X now, uh, but at a, at a higher level, I also just, I think that as these other groups, I think we will see them come in. I think we'll see more journalists come in there who yes. maybe just even use it as a repository for their work in case they get pulled off of wherever else. Uh, but I, I think that it's a, such a great, you know, the purple pill leading to the orange pill for a lot of people. And I've talked with uh, multiple folks who have had this experience where they came on to, to Noster. They did not know anything about Bitcoin beyond just it exists. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you start seeing some posts and you realize, wait, what are people are talking about zapping and Bitcoin? What is all this? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, people are happy to help you when you ask questions and you get orange pill through that experience of actually using Bitcoin Yes, layer two. Yes, maybe custodially through Wallet of Satoshi or whatever. But you're still using Bitcoin. And I think that's a beautiful thing where you see the social layer 
really leading toward that monetary layer of, of Bitcoin. And something uh, that I talked with Pre uh, Preston Pish a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things he said really stuck out to me because he was basically saying, I'm as excited about Noster as I am about Bitcoin. And I, I think it's, you know, uh, free speech is on par with free and open money. And his point was basically, okay, having this, you know, uh, decentralized and permissionless money that is you can freely transact with anyone freely store the value of your time and energy that's great but if i want to send money to you across the world we need a channel on which to communicate the information i need a way to get your address and i need a way to do that that i can't be stopped from having that communication that i hopefully am not going to be surveilled mm -hmm. and that i can't be censored because otherwise, how does that, I want to transfer monetary energy to you, but unless I have the channel to do it, then the point is kind of moot. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was a really, a really interesting perspective to, you know, to look at the marriage of the two and say, yeah, you need that monetary layer, but the communication layer is, is just as important. And so yeah. I thought that was a good perspective to have on it. Yeah. And, you know, I'd kind of like to just speaking of uh, the purple pill leading the orange pill in adoption. Um, I, I'd like to ask your opinion a little bit. Uh, I've seen a lot of debate recently uh, about just, let's say, bottom up versus top down adoption. And you have certain people I won't, you know, name names or anything, but who are saying, you know, this small merchant adoption or, you know, a few people adopting in small communities, that really doesn't matter. You know, that's really not important in the grand scheme of things. It's so small. It's just, yeah, it's a nice story, but it has no real, real meaning, no real value for adoption and other people. And I think you probably, you know, maybe know what I'm talking about there and, and other people who are on the ground, uh, visiting countries, visiting communities or educating like yourself at this very bottom up level, obviously have a very different opinion. Now, I think that it's it's kind of silly to even split the two. Obviously, adoption happens from the bottom up and the top down at the same time. We see the grassroots and we see the institutional happening all at once. But I, I'd love uh, your your thoughts on just where you see the value there. What what would you say to those people who say that the you know the individual here and there or the circular community or the political dissident you know that doesn't really matter it's about the it's really about the institutional money coming in and and all of that i would say that's horseshit <laughs> um, so to start there uh so what i would say is if top down was all that mattered um top down would have already given us bitcoin we needed ground up for Bitcoin to even have a chance at existing. It was the, like no top-down system would have said, you know, it's a good idea. Taking away all our power. <laughs> it's a great idea. Let's build that thing. Um, that wouldn't have happened. Right. And so you, you, it's not just that it's nice to have. It's that you need, you need bottom up. I'm not saying that top down can't exist. I'm not saying that top down isn't going to pump a bunch of bags because it right. probably will. Right. Like that's, but, but that, that's not, that's not the thing that changes lives. That's not the thing that changes the world, right? It's the bottom up that changes the world. When, when you go and you see 
places where people have had their their livelihoods and the, their life savings destroyed by fiat central bankers, by by the currency devaluation, by mandated uh, or or uh, official um, uh, exchange rates, and all these all these predatory things that happen um, to everyone, but but you know with the dial cranked to 11 in many countries. Um, the only thing that solves that is bottom up is individuals saying, I am opting out and I'm opting into a system where this cannot happen. Um, and so, yeah, no, I, I think to look at, and this, and you know what I get, I get the knee jerk initial reaction to, running around looking at shops saying, oh, they're, they're accepting Bitcoin now and then doing like payment videos. Um, because yes, that was Roger Ver. Hmm. It's different now. And here's why. In, in 2015, you know, 16, all, all that, and then the Bitcoin cash era, there, there were a lot of large merchants that were effectively pressured into accepting Bitcoin and said yes as a marketing shtick. They thought, hey, I'm going to accept Bitcoin uh, because a whole bunch of people will rush in the door and buy a bunch of merch. And then I'm not going to keep the Bitcoin. I'm going to dump it for fiat. What we're seeing now is different. What I'm seeing now is different. What I'm seeing is people saying, I want the Bitcoin. <laughs> I want Bitcoin. I would like to accept Bitcoin so that I can keep that Bitcoin. Um, and, you know, and you see companies saying, I'm going to put this on my, my treasury. You see individuals saying, I'm going to accept Bitcoin. Yes, I have bills. I might convert some of it so that I can pay my bills, but I'm going to save in Bitcoin because they're seeing the difference. It's not just a marketing shtick to get more customers in the door. It's a savings mechanism and it's a recognition that other forms of money are inferior and so I think, I think it's easy to initially say like, uh, are we pressuring people to take Bitcoin? No, we're presenting them with what Bitcoin is. And then they're actually getting orange pilled and realizing the value that is there. And they're becoming Bitcoiners. It's different than Microsoft accepting Bitcoin for a little while because God knows why. And then being like, nah, <laughs> like it's, it's very different. And it's different than BitPay basically going around and trying to make sweetheart deals with a bunch of, you know, big companies, because it seems to be the next up and coming thing and saying like, yo, just, just accept this. Don't worry, we'll dump it for fiat for you. This is not what is happening. When you see people going into into countries around the world and small little merchants and saying, hey, you accept Bitcoin? Cool. I saw the sign. And then and then sending some sats and them being like more than happy to, to accept them. That is entirely different from the 2014, 2015 era. And I can say myself, especially I've because I live on a Bitcoin standard more or less now, like 90 plus percent of my income is Bitcoin. And so I, I want the Bitcoin. The dollars that I get, that gets that's out the door immediately, right? Like it's like, okay, what are my bills? 
hopefully I don't, I didn't get more fiat than my bills. I don't want that to be the case. Oh, so, heaven so forbid. yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that is, if I get more fiat than my bills, then I'm in trouble. I would no. So, so the fiat is out the door right away. And then every sat that I spend thereafter, it's, it's, I know what my bills are off the top. So like I convert that right at, out the gate, but then every other purchase thereafter is like, it's like a cognizant, do I want to no longer have these sats? And like, yeah, I mean, you still buy stuff. It's, it's not that you don't buy stuff, but it is, it is more of a decision than just, uh, I got cash in my pocket, whatever is just dollars. <laughs> like it's, it's very different. So yeah. Um, in, in the grand scheme of things, uh, bottom up. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's not a nice to have, it is needed. And the top down is, is the nice to have. That's the cherry on top. That's the thing. And like in the context of doing, you know, my tutorials and stuff, like I obviously it's, I suppose it seems like I cater to the average person. Um, and I do, but I'd love to think that somewhere, you know, some head of state is like, how do I set up a multi-sig <laughs> types in YouTube? I love, I'd love to think that that's happening somewhere. I'm sure it has. It, it, I guarantee it's happened at least once. Somebody has stumbled upon a daily session and, and, <laughs> and found their way to some good knowledge. Yeah. And no, I, I think that's beautifully put. And that's actually a, a perfect segue because I wanted to also talk to you about, uh, you recently received a grant from uh from hrf the human rights foundation congratulations that is Thank extremely you. well deserved uh and and it's basically uh, as far as i understand it just from the little snippet that i was reading uh to work with educating uh you know political dissidents or journalists people around the world who really need uh the censorship resistant mm -hmm. and unconfiscatable properties of bitcoin in their lives for very very uh clear and present reasons mm -hmm to educate those people to work on, to do workshops. So could you, could you give us a little bit of a background just of, you know, when you decided to apply for the grant, cause I believe there was a, you know, a whole mm -hmm. application process and then what your kind of plans are uh, moving forward to, to make use of this, uh, this Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, first off, I want to say huge thanks to Alex Gladstein, to the human rights foundation. Um, not just for the grant, but, for the experiences that I've had, um, you know, and the people that I've met through these events, because like the, it's one thing to go to a Bitcoin conference and it's, and I mean, that experience in and of itself is already incredible because the, the people that you meet and the relationships that you create are, are amazing. But going to a human rights foundation event, it's, it's, so different. Number one, because it's not a Bitcoin event. Bitcoin is present because it's a useful tool for the people that are there. Um, and second, the stories that you hear, it kind of it it jerks you out of your oh cool we're you know we're 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 doing what we're doing you know you know the typical you're at yeah. you're at a conference and you get excited about and like number go up which. I'd say is a lesser to a lesser extent, you know, what you hear from, from conferences now, which is nice. Um, but like, you know, you still get in your kind of Western bubble and then you get to a, a human rights foundation event uh, to like Oslo freedom forum. And you hear the stories of these people that 
like had to walk out of their countries uh, to to not be thrown in prison, um, you know, in the dead of night. Uh, you hear these people of these people saying that that their family members were thrown in prison uh, until they issued an apology, saying that they were wrong for criticizing the government. Um, you you hear these these stories of of you know f- the ones that hit me the most fathers being separated from their daughters because they're abducted by their governments um for three years and um you know i i met a wonderful woman uh who was learning about bitcoin as a way to fundraise to protest within her country um because there were no bank accounts and no access to any sort of anything to get money into the country to protest there um and so you see these stories and you hear how totalitarian governments can actually affect people. And it's, and it's wild. And Bitcoin doesn't, you know, Bitcoin fixes a lot of things, but Bitcoin doesn't fix the fact that, at least for the time being, there will be bad people that obtain power for certain periods of time. And so, but it, what it does fix is those bad people having an advantage when it comes to monetary sovereignty, right? So um, it, it puts the average political dissident and the dictator on a level playing field in terms of being able to send and receive value from anywhere on the planet freely. Um, and so it does become a very useful tool. So I guess my, my experience with the Human Rights Foundation is um, – I was lucky enough to be invited by Alex Gladstein back in 2021 uh, when they hosted an event actually in Miami uh, in October. So I did some emceeing there and I got to meet a lot of great people. Um, And then I was invited again last year in 2022, this time to actually to Norway for the Oslo Freedom Forum. And uh, I got to speak and do some some smaller sessions there. And then again, I came this year. and uh, and did some speaking and emceeing and a whole bunch of stuff. And then most recently, they had a uh, a, a global summit in Nashville at Bitcoin Park um, with people from I think fifty six different countries from all over. There's about a hundred hundred of us there, um, all just discussing how can we use Bitcoin? What are the tools that are available now? How can we help the people that are here? Uh, to best use Bitcoin in a private way, in an efficient way, and just educate them as best we can. Um, and so they, the HRF has put together a, a Bitcoin grant program. And so they've done, they've already handed out a ton of grants in relation to development of various projects. Um, and then they, they opened it up a little bit to uh, education. And so having been involved, I actually actually wasn't planning on applying for the grant because I, I kind of thought, well, I'm, you know, I'm doing my own thing and it's all it's all kind of there anyways. Um, but then there were certain things that I, I kind of couldn't afford to do, to be honest, um, that that I was like, well, just, you know, I'll, I'll write up a little proposal. If I don't get it, that's fine. I'll just kind of keep doing my thing. But I, I threw in a proposal. And uh, I got a pretty quick response like, hey, yeah, let's let's do this. And so um, what am I doing? Uh, Well, first of all, I got 
I got a grant from the HRF, or I'm in the process of receiving a grant from the HRF um, for uh, $25,000, which blows my mind. Um, and so my goals for that, uh, there's a, a number of things. So, uh, you know, I obviously have like a deep catalog of, of educational you know, materials and tutorials and everything. But I think a, a lot of, especially in the realm of political dissidents that are looking to, um, you know, perhaps fundraise that need to remain private that uh, also want to figure out just how to learn how to use wallets, how to secure their Bitcoin, maybe are at risk of some members of their team being abducted at some points. Um, and and this, there's so many perspectives here. And just like, how do, how do you even fundraise? How do you then allocate? What do you do with the funds once you have them? So I have a lot of videos on that, but it's, it's a little bit disjointed. Um, and it's not as streamlined as it needs to be in that situation. We need these people to be able to pick up on just what they need to know to get them through, to be able to arm them with the tools as quickly as possible, as efficiently as possible, and make them understand only what they need to do, know and nothing more. We need to trim the fat. So basically what I'm doing is I'm going to refilm a whole bunch of tutorials that are very, very straight to the point. Um, none of the kind of deep dive stuff that I'm used to just like, sure. let's, let's get you through this. Um, and then I need to assemble those tutorials in educational tracks based on the goals of the individual. Um, you know, Hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm a political dissident. I need to fundraise in a private manner and distribute funds. And I also need to be secure. Okay. Well that involves, I gotta, I gotta figure out how to use a wallet. I got to figure out how to set up a BTC pay server. I got to figure out how to potentially use a multi-sig. And then I got to figure out how to send and then instruct my, you know, employees or, or, or whoever, how to use the funds once they, once they receive them. So like I've got to create kind of these educational tracks. So that's one aspect of it. The other aspect is I've already actively been doing one-on-one -on -one when I say one-on-one, -on -one, I mean me and then a room full of journalists or political distance or whatever it is, like Zoom calls and stuff, basically walking them through, hey, all right, well, let's set up a wallet. Let's send around some money. Let's figure out how to do this. And then let's talk security. I'm, I've already been doing that for the past few months here. Um, and so, you know, I got to allocate time to that. I want to get in person to some events that you know, maybe don't have the budget to just bring me down and that I wouldn't be able to afford to fly around the world to myself because that gets expensive. Um, so that's another thing. And then more recently, I think you saw, um, uh, I, I had a teaser of BTC Sessiones. Uh, so, so I did a little, yeah, I did, a, I did a little, um, uh, AI live translation of, of like a cold cut cold card tutorial, just a snippet of it to kind of see how it would work. But the, the AI tools, they're insane. They're insane. Like the, the clip that I did, I took, I took like the middle of a cold card tutorial and I just like tossed this two minute clip in, into a browser and I said, okay, Spanish. And not only did it translate it and dub it, it dubbed it in my voice and then it 
it just CGI'd my lips to look like I was speaking the words. It's it's incredible. I, I, I used uh, Hey Jen, I believe, yes. right? Yeah, I, I had seen that come up, you know, because I'm just in like the AI lists that I follow. I'd seen that come up and I was just mind blown by it because the translation is one thing, but the dubbing of the mouth as well to literally make your mouth movements look yeah. like that. Just that like blew my mind to another level. But when I saw your, your video uh, today, at first I was like, dang, I, I, Sessions, I didn't know, you know, like, wow, you, you, you know, you speak very well. You're like, you abla very good, my friend, you know, like, but, and then I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> too too good like yeah <laughs> but but it's incredible and but i think that that's a that's a great point because also one thing i noticed about that stuff though they give you like a minute or two free usually yeah. but it gets expensive really yeah. quickly like yeah. like very like i was looking at a, a couple of different uh platforms for that and i think even the most basic packages are like at least 50 bucks a month and that gives you maybe like 20 minutes and then each additional yeah. minute is an extra you know two, three bucks, which obviously adds up insanely quickly if you're doing hours of content. Yeah. When um, you've got a cold card tutorial, that's two hours long. Right. I mean, yeah, that's, that's an expensive translation. And then, you know, the, the good thing about this is though, I think at least in the, as far as AI is concerned, is that it's that expensive now, but it's going to rapidly decrease in yeah. price down to the marginal cost of production, yeah. which is just how much electricity and how many GPUs, you know, how many GPU hours do you need to run yeah. this? And so it will, it will come down, but for now, at least, I mean, it's an amazing service they provide. Like it's, yeah. you know, but it's pricey um, for, yeah. for the, but the I, average person. You know what though? You know what though? The, I mean, it's pricey, but I was trying to price out last year because the tools just didn't exist. Well, number yeah. one, I couldn't like, there, there's no way for me to feasibly do it because with, with a tutorial specifically, you can't just have, you can't just get it dubbed. Like number one, I wanted it dubbed. I didn't just want subtitles. I wanted yeah. it actually dubbed over. So I needed like a specific kind of voice. You know, I, I can't have like, I mean, I guess I could have a, a female dub me, but it might be look a little odd. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but nonetheless, in a tutorial, it, the the timestamps really matter. It has to be I'm saying something as I'm doing something. Otherwise, the instruction gets lost. And so I needed it very on time. And so I was looking through and I was trying to price out like somebody taking a video of mine and translating it and then overdubbing it themselves. And that was going to be hundreds of dollars per video. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense too. And like, so that's yeah. the, that is the interesting thing. It's like, while this, uh, the price tag seems expensive, when you think about the fact that that's your voice, mm -hmm. your video, the timing is all there and perfect. And yeah. it actually looks like you're saying it, it looks like you made content for a Spanish speaking audience. I think that's, that's huge. And I mean, yeah. you know, just speaking about the grant, it's like you would have the ability cause you're going to be working with people that speak a lot of different languages, you know, not just English yeah. and Spanish, but now instead of, okay, I need to find 15 different translators. It's yeah. like, okay, I've got the one video. Now let me put this into 15, 20, however many languages I want. Yeah. And you can do it like that, which yeah. is a powerful tool. Cause I think that's another thing is that, uh, there's so much great, uh, Bitcoin 
content and education in the English language. I think there's there's a lot in Spanish too. Of mm-hmm. course, there's uh, quite a bit in like German as well. The German Bitcoin scene is extremely robust. Mm-hmm. But like those are the three languages that come to mind as far as probably the most saturated at this point. But there are a lot of languages spoken in this world. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> sessions like yours are really valuable for people. And so to have that ability now enabled by technology to say, okay, now, I mean, you could have a new channel. I don't know if you want to do it on a new channel or use the existing, but you have the ability to take all that great backlog and turn that into stuff that is accessible for everyone. And honestly, like I I would assume at some point, probably in the next few years, who knows, maybe it happens in the next few months. You never know with this uh, tech cycle of AI, but uh, I would assume that platforms like YouTube will ultimately just offer the user the ability to say, I want to, you know, here's a button that lets me not just give me subtitles in another language, but lets me dub this in the other language. Cause that ultimately enables YouTube to serve them more ad content in a different language than they would have been able to previously. And so it's yeah. like, that's a win-win for everyone. I, I hope we see that, but I thought it was really awesome that you did that because that just opens the door to so many other people and like that's what it's all about right yeah i'm i'm extraordinarily excited at the prospect of of being able to level up people that would never be able to do it otherwise right like there's there's let's just face it it's bitcoin is still niche right and and we're lucky as English speakers that there's so much content. But I mean, even when you get to Spanish, there's a bunch, but like nowhere near the the level of content that we have in English. And and when you start branching out to, you know, some some of the I don't even say less used languages, but I suppose that's the right way to say it. It's it's just. The, the content isn't there and it needs to be, especially in and around practical Bitcoin use. It's so yeah. important. No, I, I could not agree more. And yeah. it's, it's nice that there are these tools now, which at least make that so much more accessible because otherwise it's just, uh, well, it's a lot more work on both ends. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just kind of speaking of, uh, speaking of political dissidents and uh, totalitarian governments um canada uh <laughs> you know <laughs> usually you usually uh you guys uh, i'll borrow a, you know a phrase from uh from greg foss it's like you know just the our our neighbors up in the attic you know uh, quiet minding your own business beautiful landscape nice people uh not not making the news too much and i just feel like recently and maybe it's just algorithms feeding me more, or maybe it's the government doing more and more absurd things, but there's been just a lot of Canada in the news and not always for the best reasons. And what I saw recently and was about, I actually saw Glenn Greenwald post about it on Twitter. And then I went over to Noster and saw you had already actually noted about it like a day before. So you were way ahead of, uh, ahead of Glenn, but it was about this uh, new law that is being passed, I guess, or, or part of the uh, the CRTC. Mm-hmm. Basically, they, they they framed it as modernizing Canada's broadcasting framework. But yeah. what it ended up being is they're basically going to have any platform that hosts podcasters with over like 
if the platform as a company is over 10 million in revenue, they're going to have to like register with the government and presumably keep logs of all of those podcasters and everything they say. Uh, what's your take on this? I mean, it, it seems like a weird thing to do and just a very obvious power grab yeah. to say we like, okay, if you're a podcaster, you're a broadcaster and we yeah. we're going to hold you to those exact same rules as we would if you were a talking head on TV. Yeah. So a lot of the stated intent for this is, I would say, under the guise of ensuring that Canadian content gets bolstered. And this is, this is the same kind of tactic that has been used in, in various ways. Um, I don't know if you know, but like on, on I think it's Facebook. I think it's just Facebook right now, but um, uh, just recently, also this year, just earlier this year, the government was like, all right, if you are a social media platform and uh, and you're, you allow people to share links that are news, then you need to pay, <laughs> you need oh, to pay the people that, that made the news. So like... If a, if a Canadian wants to share a news story on Facebook, um, then Facebook was going to have to pay all of the news outlets like ridiculous sums of money. And so Facebook was like, no, nah, we're good. We'll just not do news in Canada anymore. And then all of a sudden everybody's like, wait, I can't share a link. Facebook says I'm not allowed to do this in Canada anymore. So literally you can't share news on Facebook. That's in Canada still anymore. active. That's it, right now. Yeah. If I want to share a news link on, on Facebook, they're like, oh, yeah, no, you're not allowed in this country. For no, some reason, you. I thought they rolled it back. Okay, so that's still, which is just absurd. Like you would think, yeah. especially because news media, online news media makes their money off of ad clicks. And it's like, no, yeah. you don't want all those extra click throughs. Like, yeah. I, it's just, but it's the government basically, yeah. right, saying. Yeah. And, and so then the government turned around and said, these greedy corporations are blocking our news. Well, no, you gave them an ultimatum. You said, you can only share news if you pay us a bunch of money. And they said, well, we don't want to pay you. So I guess we won't do that. And so you did it to yourself. But I mean, so the, the, the CRTC and the government kind of dictating what happens there, um, they've, they've taken a, an approach around this on a lot of different mediums where they basically say like X percentage of content must be Canadian. And so, you know, you get this kind of sway rather than having kind of like a, a free market of who's making the best content. Maybe if the Canadian content isn't getting viewed as much, maybe we should look at the other content that is and, and start to try and make it so that Canadians want to watch that instead of mandating it. And so it's, it's such a weird approach to me. Um, and it's not that we can't, I mean, you can get a VPN. We can, like, right. I, can, I can still see stuff. I mean, people that don't know how to do that, maybe will, they, they're just shit out of luck. But like, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. People figure out ways around it. And um, it, it just, it makes for, uh, it, it forces Canadian content went down your throats rather than having Canadian content rise to the occasion and become good enough 
to be deserving of your attention. Um, and it seems like this is the impetus. But through that, again, it puts content creators in the crosshairs of the government depending on the size and reach that you have. It very much could result in content creators being either kind of like sidelined or uh, I don't know what it, it could mean for local content creators. Cause, cause I think my tactic is right now, like they're focusing in on, on platforms broadly, you know, right. are you pushing a certain percentage of Canadian content? They haven't yet gotten granular down to the individual content creator to say like, Hey, Canadians, are you talking enough about Canadian stuff? But I have a tactic if that comes about, all I'm going to do is if they start saying that I need to have X percentage of my content focused around Canadian stories, I'm just going to bring in other Canadians to bitch about how crappy our government is. And we'll just use well, I'll have a timer of the percentage of the, the well, episode. You've, it is. You, you've got a lot of Canadian Bitcoiners um, that. I'm sure would be very willing to come on and share yeah. that kind of conversation. Yeah, we could do some great podcasts on how to subvert the Canadian government when they shut down your bank accounts. It'll be, it'll be a party. <laughs> do you think they'll actually get that granular as to telling a, an individual creator that the kind of content they need to have a certain like a quota basically for pro Canada content? Because that's, that's, I mean, I, I'll never say, you know, never say never. Yeah. That just would be so absurd. But I guess so is a lot of what the state yeah. is. I, I don't think that they have the manpower to do so, to be honest. Like, okay. I don't think they're not, one, number one, they're not efficient enough. Number two, like, thank God for that. The, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the task of doing so would just be so far beyond their reach. Um, not that they, not that I don't think they would love, wouldn't love to do that, but. Um, I, I just think that it would be impossible to execute on. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that Canadian media is is corrupted by the government that backs it. Like our our biggest broadcaster is the CBC, and I don't know if did you ever see the chart of the CBC when they they fudged their accounting numbers as to where their funding came from? Did Wait, you ever see that? Wait, was this where they had a like? a really weird axis on their chart that made like no sense. And like, yeah. it, like somebody looked at it and was like, no, no, this is like, yeah, just absurd. I, it's funny. I shared it cause I was looking, I, I shared it probably a year before it blew up. Cause I saw it. I was like, what the hell is this? Look at the squiggly lines. They just jumped a billion dollars and kept the chart the same. It looks like God. the government funding is like 30% when it's like 70%. Just chart, um, chart crime. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, so, so yeah, but more or less they, the, the CBC is, is the national broadcasting arm of, of the country. Um, and they have TV, radio and print, um, uh, or online print and, uh, and yeah, so they, they are basically, they, they wouldn't be profitable if, if it weren't for the government just pumping billions and billions of dollars into them every single year. Um, and so, yeah, like that, that has an effect, right? Especially when you've got an opposition leader that's running against the current government saying, I'm going to defund the CBC. What do you think that does to reporting from the CBC? How could you possibly be impartial? When you're saying I'm going to cut off the government funding, keeping you afloat, if I get in, 
it's there's there's no way you can have a reasonable take on on the incumbent or the on the uh, opposition. And I assume you're referring to Pierre. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He, Pierre Pauly, yeah. What's as a Canadian? What's what's your take on him? So. Number one, never trust a politician as far as you can throw them. Amen. <laughs> um, number that said, two, yeah, yeah. That said, number two, um, I, I there's a number of things that he says that I agree with. Um, I also think on the Bitcoin front that he has a lot of good people in his ear, and that uh, I. Th- think he kind of knows his shit and that he is actually a Bitcoiner. Um, and I think that as prime minister, it would probably be a nice little track of runway for Bitcoin to be able to build up before the next asset gets in power and wants to ban it. Um, so like, I mean, that's really like you, you can't bank on the guy that you like getting in and then everything's fixed because there's always the next election, right? Yes. And so it's just, it's like, can we get a little bit more runway? That'd be super nice. I wouldn't mind that too much. Um, But honestly, like right now, again, I don't know how familiar people are in down in the States, but like, like all of the poll numbers right now, like the, the liberals, which is Justin Trudeau's party, they're, they're decimated. If there was an election today, Polyev would win, like I, hands down. You, you mean that celebrating a literal Nazi in parliament didn't do them any favors? Uh, <laughs> Especially after calling a bunch of Canadians who just wanted some freedom Nazis. I mean, who would have thought? I did not see that coming. That I, I really like. There, I, there's a lot of crazy things I didn't have on my bingo card, but Justin Trudeau is celebrating a literal Nazi and like that. <laughs> I mean, wow. Yeah. Im- it, really it Im- impressive is. levels of self-sabotage and yeah. just, I don't even, I don't even know what you call that. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've got, we've probably got two more years of them to sit uh, through. Um, there, sorry. there could be an election sooner if there was, it's called a no confidence vote where if enough mm-hmm. other parties came together, but odds are that I don't think that's going to happen. And so it will just be two years. I, I anticipate two years of him just making people more and more angry mm-hmm. until he just gets absolutely slaughtered in 2025. I don't see you know, a lot can change, but like he's, he's been in for eight years. That's wait. Do you guys not have what's the what's the total term limit? There is none. I don't know. See, this is I learned something new yeah. about Canada today. Yeah. I thought you guys still had term limits. There's terms. You must well, have right. an, there. You must have an election at least every four years. But if the incumbent sees an opportune time to call an election, you can call an early election, at which point the next election is at least four years from that point. Oh, wow. So, you know, what uh, Trudeau did was as as everybody was at peak panic mode, he said, Mm -hmm. listen, guys, I'm going to keep you safe. I'm going to lock you all down. And guess what? I'm sending out checks. Oh, by the way, there's an election. Yeah. (laughs) And that's, and that's what happened. And he won. 
And then, and that's why we're waiting till 2025 to the next election. Cause it was 2021 when he did that. It, it is, it is amazing that like how obvious some of these politicians are about being yeah. just crisis actor. Well, I shouldn't say crisis actor is the wrong word. Uh, crisis opportunists, Yes, but manufactured crisis opportunists where mm -hmm. they're, you know, they're creating the panic themselves. And it's like, only I can save you, you know? And, yeah. and by the way, here's some money. As well. I'll yeah. save you and give you money. So like, who, you know, you got to vote yeah. for me. Yeah. And now and now he's he's stuck between a rock and a hard place because he the everything that they want to spend money on, they can't afford. <laughs> like all of the rates are through the roof. Um, and you've got Polyev who literally in 2020 was like. Shit's going down, guys, like the inflation's going to be insane if you do this. And like, what happens if interest rates go up? Like, and, and all of the responses back to him were like, interest rates are at historic lows. It'll be totally fine. Which is like, now it's just like fodder to just, hey guys, remember this clip? Like that's, it's just all of that, oh, right? I, I love uh, watching some of his clips on uh, on the floor where he'll be like grilling somebody, and, <laughs> you know, like ask, and I mean, it, it just goes to show, like he seems, you know, again, as an American who is, uh, just watching from the outside, mm. he seems to be a guy who has a, a pretty darn good head on his shoulders. And again, I you know never trust a politician. The, yeah. He's still saying what he knows people want to hear, but at least he knows what he's talking about a little bit more, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. And and to see the responses to some of it where they're just sitting there like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, like, it, There's never an actual answer. It's but. just it's just absurd. But yeah. yeah, well, hey, you know, that story is the same the world over. That's the funny yeah. thing. You know, whenever you you travel somewhere, it's like, uh, you know, asking people about their, you know, how do you feel about your politicians? And it's usually like, you know, the, you know, the guy or the gal in charge is an asshat. It, yeah. You know, to, it, it, that's a pretty common story. Some of them are larger asshats than others. Yeah. But at least that's something all us humans can share is that the people yeah. in charge of our respective states are yeah. pretty absurd. One, it's, it's pretty, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's, it is pretty interesting, though, knowing that in two years' time, there's a greater than 50% chance, in my opinion, that the Prime Minister of Canada is a Bitcoiner. Well, well, this is a really interesting point because, okay, you've got, let's look at a country where the majority of the populace does not think their elected leader is an asset, El Salvador. That is as pro-Bitcoin of a president as you could get in Nayib Bukele. And he's got like the highest approval rate, what it's like over yeah. 90%. I mean, and I mean, shocker, it turns out when you put gang members in jail, and so people stop getting their, you know, livelihoods stolen from them and vicious crimes committed against them. Wow, people like that. What a what a tremendous shocker. But you've also so you've got him as that's a that's a as pro Bitcoin a president as you could have mm. in El Salvador in office right now. You've got Pierre, who is pro Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And I mean, hopefully, again, as an outsider, like I, I think uh, I would like to see Fidel Castro's son uh, get out of uh, Canadian office there, you know, and it's uh, not his way out. Don't yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> so you've got there's another one. Uh, you've got Javier Malay, uh, yeah. who is that guy is fiery. And yeah. like, like, wow. <laughs> I mean, it's impressive. And then, you know, in the U.S., you've got a number of people. You've got RFK has been vocally pro-Bitcoin. Vivek 
vocally pro Bitcoin. DeSantis kind of like knows maybe what Bitcoin is and someone on his team told him he should say he's pro Bitcoin. Also like, anti CBDC is the big one. Yeah, that's that's the big one. So it's like, okay, you're you're, you're partway there. But I think this is like these next few years are going to be really fascinating because that Overton window is shifting to where Bitcoin is now part of the discourse in presidential elections around the world. And that's a pretty powerful thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't think either, at least speaking for the U.S., the only thing, uh, you know, Trump said about Bitcoin back in the last election was that he thinks it's some sort of, you know, dirty money and it's uh he doesn't like it because it's bad for the u.s dollar um and so yeah. it's like okay you know biden has no idea what's going on but it's like now okay we've got some people on both sides of the aisle in the u.s who are speaking in a pro-bitcoin way and i think this is we're going to see this proliferate a lot around the world so it's it's an exciting time at least um i find the political circus to be thoroughly tiring yeah. but also at times entertaining so i mean at least now we've got some people that are verging on orange party versus whatever they were before yeah well it's just a matter of time right like people people will hear bitcoin they'll hear it on either side of the aisle now and they'll start asking questions they'll start learning a little bit and and with the absolute mountain of bitcoin content that has been put together all all we really need is people to mention Bitcoin. All we needed is is it to be in the public view, and we need a few people to get curious because of that. That's it. We just need that little shove, yeah. and the public will begin to educate themselves. And like, you know, YouTube content, podcasts, all of these things. These are all mediums, and up and coming Noster, right? All of right. these mediums are going to be where people actually get their information because it's not going to be cnn it's not going to be fox it's going to be independent media it's going to be individuals having conversations and you know and it's going to be the the again the wealth of knowledge that has been published by by many a bitcoiner explaining in a million different ways the how and the why of bitcoin and so I, and i think that's the strength of it it, the message is so cohesive, but so able to be presented to anyone, depending on what's important to you, that it can't help but get through to people. And it's just, it's just how do people get exposed to it? And that's coming. Like it's, yeah. it's impossible to avoid. It truly, really, and well, and it's a beautiful thing that at this point now, it it feels like you know in the past. Uh, you know, even just like a couple of years ago, you'd Google Bitcoin and the first thing that, that comes up are, you know, it's either New York Times or CNN or maybe CNBC with something halfway decent. At least they've been, they tend to be a bit better sometimes than, than the rest of them, but it's usually some mainstream source, you know, and now it's like you Google, you know, Bitcoin or Bitcoin 101 or something. There are so many resources Yeah, and that like, and that's a beautiful thing, like flood the you know flood the market with as many bitcoin resources as possible so that at least yeah. the majority of people when they search for it whatever search algorithm they happen to be using feeds them something that's not just the same old main or i won't even say mainstream media legacy media yeah. because now they're it, it's not them i mean look at their viewership numbers like it's yeah. just they're not the mainstream anymore they are just the they're the legacy you yeah. know 
And BTC Sessions is the new mainstream, you know? <laughs> Not there yet. Maybe one day. We'll hey, see. well, you're, you're, you know, you'll have that, that 100,000 uh, sub uh, chip pretty soon. I, I'm, I'm certain of that. Yeah, that's, that'll be the next uh, milestone to go after. We'll see, though. I, I feel like I need a, a, a bull run to pull that one off. <laughs> I, well, I think, you know, with the having coming up, it, it's going to get very interesting. Like, we've been in such a the doldrums you know the this mm. sideways crab market which is really great for stacking sats yeah. like it's wonderful it's like oh great okay the price is still about what it was yesterday wonderful and i'll dca again uh, okay <laughs> uh, you know and it, it's it's kind of nice like but it also lulls you into a bit of a a false sense of uh calm yeah uh, where you kind of forget that sometimes bitcoin will just rip yeah. And the, you won't expect it and there's nothing you can do about it. And then it just won't come back down. Yeah. Um, this worries yeah. me because I, I have every month I send out invoices and I receive them in Bitcoin. And so it's always worrisome to me where like I'll send out an invoice. Um, I'm like, I'm dreading the one month where I send out invoices and then before I receive them back, a God candle happens. I'm no. <laughs> well, you know, I'm curious. Do you uh, just for people who are out there who may be uh, looking to accept Bitcoin for their goods or services? Yeah. Uh, do you do just a spot price at the time? Uh, you know, denominated yeah. in whatever it's. You know, maybe it's denominated in Bitcoin, but if it's denominated in fiat, you just do the spot price at the time, and that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so first thing I got rid of was my local shitcoin, uh, which is the Canadian dollar. So I don't, I don't invoice in Canadian dollars. I do invoice in the shitcoin to the South for me, which is the U S dollar. Hey there. Uh, but, but then I, I receive it in Bitcoin. So whatever the, the equivalent is at the time that, that I get the payment. I'm yeah. curious, have you thought about doing like a, a smooth moving average of it? Like, okay, I'm going to invoice based on not the spot price, but like the 20 or 50 day uh, moving average to like mellow out because, you know, it mellows out volatility on both sides. Like, yeah, yeah. if you get it happen to, you know, uh, depending on where the God candle falls, uh, maybe it yeah. doesn't go, maybe it goes better <laughs> for you, maybe it goes worse, but like you have less volatility in terms of how you're uh, invoicing. Uh, just, a, just a thought. It's something I've I, been thinking about a little bit. I hadn't thought about that. I'd have to, uh, I'd have to do some experimentation on that. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I've just been kind of, you know, throw, throwing caution to the wind and seeing what happens. Playing, <laughs> playing it fast and loose. I mean, yeah, no, yeah. it's the, the ideal is, uh, having it denominated in Bitcoin. Cause then you know exactly yeah. what you're getting, right? Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll be very excited when I, when I price my first, that'll be the next thing. Cause I feel like okay, I'm on, I'm on the Bitcoin standard. I'm starting to do some of the circular economy stuff at home and then using services to jump through hoops for other things. But that, that first time where I'm like, no, this is it. This is, I'm, I'm now invoicing in Bitcoin. I think that'll be a, that'll be another big, uh, moment for me. Uh, it's, I'm not there yet. Um, it's, it's, it, it'd be kind of difficult to do now, but I think, you know, maybe five, 10 years down the road, that might be, you know, it's going to be like, huh, I could, I could. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious. I, I want to ask one more kind of, uh, uh, bigger picture question than just a couple of little questions. Uh, but what do you see? And this was something that came in on, on Noster. And the question was phrased, uh, basically like, 
what does Session see as the killer app for adoption in the next couple of years? And uh, it was from, I think, the Confetti Money. Uh, so if yeah. you're listening to this Confetti Money, thanks for the question. But, you know, you're somebody who you are so deep into all of the up-and-coming tech. So I guess, you know, uh, another way to ask that would maybe be, you know, is there something that you are just really, again, like excited about that you're thinking, not just like, oh, wow, Bitcoiners are going to find this very cool, but oh, wow, this is going to usher in, like this is going to bring a whole lot more people into the fold because it's making something so easy or accessible or what's, what's your take from that perspective? Yeah. So I think one of the things that really needs to happen is a simple like it funny enough it just comes directly from the wallet interface hmm. and what i mean is there's a lot of different ways you can interact with bitcoin you got on chain you got lightning you've got liquid you've got e-cash like chummy and e-cash slash hmm. fediment type stuff so there's all these different ways to interact i think and also of course you've got like the kind of layers of security that you can add onto that. I think we're, we're going in the direction that, that I've kind of been hoping for and envisioning. And what I mean is all of that stuff in one place, but then also obfuscated to the background. Mm -hmm. And so you're kind of seeing this in some instances. So, um, okay. For instance, uh, Blockstream green, um, they have, I don't think it's public yet, even though I made a tutorial on it because I got early access. I, I think I got ahead of myself there. But um, Blockstream Green, you can do on-chain Lightning and Liquid all in a single interface on your same wallet. You can't yet easily shift between them, but the Lightning stuff has like peg-in, or not peg-ins, but like swaps in and out. Um, so like it's getting better, but but my my dream wallet would be something like you download the wallet, it says, this is your Bitcoin wallet. It doesn't say in what capacity you're using it. You still have custody of it. But it would be like, hey, what's important to you? Like security, speed, uh, privacy. And then based on your selections, it would use the most efficient network for that purpose. And so you may be using Xiaomi and eCash at some point. You may be using Lightning or both. You may be using OnChain or you may be using Liquid and you just have Bitcoin and right. you're just using whatever that entails. And so I think that's where we're headed. I think that's kind of what's coming up next. And, and I've never been more excited than seeing uh francis pouliot did a a talk in uh toronto for the canadian bitcoin conference and he was talking about what he's in the midst of building for bull bitcoin um he's making an app and so i don't think it's like a big secret that yeah. he's, he's doing this obviously he did a talk on it people are going to talk about it but like his grand vision was all right so you go to bull bitcoin you're you're buying bitcoin and Right now, when you go, like, this, it's only accessible in Canada and now Costa Rica. So right. congrats, Francis. Uh, but nonetheless, you, right now, when you go to Bull Bitcoin, you go on the website, you hit buy, you must provide a Bitcoin address before you can hit that purchase button. 
They'll hold your Canadian dollars, but they're never going to hold your Bitcoin. So it's instant self-custody. The second you hit that button, there's a, a, a trigger that will send an on-chain transaction or a lightning transaction or a liquid transaction. So this already exists in the form of a, an online interface. What he's doing is an app and it's just your Bitcoin app. And when you go and you fund it with dollars and you hit buy, it just says that you have Bitcoin. It would look kind of like, you know, like a Coinbase type. You hit right. buy. Great, I've got Bitcoin now. But when you hit buy and bull Bitcoin, it's actually now self-custody because an on-chain transaction has taken place in the background and funded your actual wallet, which is now on your phone in the form of the app. And on top of this, he wants the ability to add like a cold card or whatever hardware device you choose as your wallet. And then you can also just, when you hit buy, it just shows your balance in your cold card and it's just instantly there. And he's doing all these things. He wants to do pay join and all these privacy mechanisms. And on top of it, every time that you withdraw, that's a coin join. That's right. already happening. So like all of this, when he did the presentation, I was like, holy shit, that is nearly everything that I want from an app. So I think we're headed to this place where you're just going to have your app and, and you, you'll have lots of choices between them, but it's going to be a race to be like, can we just get like a fully fleshed out Bitcoin experience where I'm just using Bitcoin and sure you can go into the background and tweak things and change it if you want to, but there'll just be a default. I need fast private Bitcoin and then it just does it for you. Yeah. Well, I, I think that that's, uh, I, I've been loving following what, uh, what Francis has been doing because like, I think he really, he's such a hardcore dude in terms of like, he really wants to do things the right way. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really shines through. And, uh, mm -hmm. the idea that, and you hit the nail on the head here, it's about like what drives adoption is that obfuscation of a lot of the details that most people don't need to worry about as long as it's in the background happening in a way that is, you know, that is private, that is secure, that is encouraging self-custody on the front end. People just want it to be easy yeah. and, and, and simple. Mm -hmm. They just, they just want to be able to, to use money, you know, yeah. and, and luckily they'll be able to use better money. But I think that that's a, it's going to be very exciting to see what, what starts rolling out here. I think in probably, uh, well, a lot of it's rolling out now, but in the next next few months, next couple of years, it's going to be really exciting. And there's going to be a lot of competition too, as you said, which is, I mean, that's ultimately great for the user. The more yeah. competition, the better. Let's have people compete. You know, it's, uh, that's fantastic. I hope maybe, maybe someday it'll be possible for me to use bull Bitcoin in America. But uh, for now, for now, <laughs> perhaps for now, for now, no luck. Yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah. Well, um, so I, I want to just a couple of other questions, uh, not so much Bitcoin related. Uh, what are you reading right now? Any, any books that you'd recommend that you've really enjoyed recently? So I, I just finished David Goggins second book. I, I saw your, your note about that actually on Noster. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I'm, I'm one of those people where every once in a while I need a swift kick in the ass to stay motivated. <laughs> um, and so I found, I found his books are, are, are pretty good for that. Uh, and it's, um, I really enjoyed that one. I'm now reading one called, oh God, what is it? Uh, it's, it's The Comfort Crisis by 
Michael Easter. Um, it's pretty interesting. It's basically talking about how um, boredom uh, used to be a normal thing hmm. where you did, you couldn't just constantly be entertained by everything. And, and now we're so used to being, um, you know, we have all of the modern comforts. Like at one point, how often are you actually just like cold and you can't do anything about it? How often are you just like hot and you have no option to fix it? How often are you just like tired, like actually like mind numbingly tired and you, you cannot lie down because you have to do something like it's not very often that we get to those levels of discomfort. And, uh, the book is talking about how, um, because we have, and you know, it's not advocating for like a return to the stone age, <laughs> but it is advocating for putting yourself in situations that genuinely challenge yourself where there is a greater than 50% chance of failure in trying to actually achieve something and doing so allows you to kind of step outside of your little bubble of, Oh, I know I can, I can get this done. And it, and it forces you to do something more. And in doing so it, when you do return to comfort, it's like, Oh wow, this is actually pretty nice. And, and it, it posits that the reason for huge upticks in depression and suicide are largely in part funny enough to our excess comfort. Hmm. So it's a, it's a very interesting, I'm like, you know, I'm a quarter of the way in, but you said that was the, the comfort crisis, the comfort crisis by Michael Easter. That sounds very interesting. I, I, it was recommended by somebody on, on Noster. Actually, I can't remember who recommended it, but I, I went and I downloaded it right away. I've been listening to it while I've been at the gym. There we, there we go, folks. You just got to find yourself that bookster hashtag and you will get some yeah. great recommendations. And then the la the last thing is, is there anything you're listening to right now? Perhaps, uh, Maybe there was a band that got back together recently. I don't, I don't know. Uh, something. You, you know, uh, there's been few moments of sheer joy in my life, much like the return of NSYNC after 21 years hiatus. What, <laughs> my, was it 21? It was 21. Fortuitous. I know. Wow. I know. Last last song, and I don't care. I'm, we're dedicating time to this. The last yes. song that they did was "Girlfriend" in 2002 from the Celebrity album. They've now returned. Do they have <laughs> a full album out now, or is it just the single for now? It's just the single for now. Okay. Um, I I've got to say that there's not many things I would say this about, but I don't know if they're like. I would part with many, many sats if there is a tour. <laughs> you, I, well, when I, when I saw you, uh, I, I saw you tweeted about it and I was like, no way. Like it's one of those things you don't think that they're going to get back. Like everybody's gone their own ways. You know, yeah. Justin Timberlake is obviously yeah. the, the most successful of all of them. And, you know, but yeah. somehow he came back, came back together into the fold. It's a yeah. reunions are a beautiful thing, especially when they turn out to be like, like that song I thought was, was pretty nice. I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm all about it. That yeah. thing has been on repeat <laughs> nonstop. 
I'm like, just to, just to add some context to, to this, I sang in an acapella group for 15 years and I grew up as like a closeted boy band fan, like Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, 98 Degrees. That shit was my jam. And I would just like, like I would be rollerblading in the 90s with my Discman, <laughs> just like rocking out to NSYNC, no strings attached. Like if you could picture it. <laughs> I, I, I can picture it actually, but I feel like I'm going to need some, we, we got to get like a throwback Thursday for this. Do you, do you have photo evidence? Cause the internet needs this, I think. Oh, I'm sure there's, there's plenty, uh, on there back in my boy band days. I had long shaggy hair that was bleach oh, blonde and kind of curly. Okay. Now I really need some photo like evidence of this. looking hair. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know now like the 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 internet if if you don't release anything somebody is going to snoop something out there, there's oh, yeah. something somebody, that exists on the internet somebody somewhere. please find it i'm sure yeah. it's out there it exists well what, what was your acapella group called oh god tatum already doxed us uh, did he really tatum, oh, oh, tatum, why am i surprised tatum tatum had me on between two asics and then he inadvertently showed some some horrendous footage of of us on stage doing i can't remember what the song was but <laughs> oh nonetheless uh we were called the acapella fellas a and, classic uh, aca acapella name yeah. you know yeah and uh and and there may or may not be uh video evidence so uh out there don't judge me too harshly i don't claim that we were amazing we we were okay I, you know like if you were in the room and you had some drinks and you'd be like those guys are pretty good and we'd okay. be like yeah, I guess. <laughs> the only thing I'll judge you for is not just naming the group the Acafellas, because that oh, just that was taken. That oh, was taken. of course. Okay, that, okay, that that makes sense. Also, we were one of three acapella fellas, but we would purposely go on their other sites and give them bad reviews. <laughs> <laughs> These just, guys suck. Oh, terrible! Listen to the other acapella acapella fellas number one. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, I I'm. I appreciate that little bit of color at the end. I am going to need to see photo evidence of this long shag though. Um, yeah. Having wow. recently parted with my own shag, it's like, I, I'm, you know, I'm needing some in my life. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, I'll, I'll, I'll send some your way, but please do. Well, and then the last thing is, um, I'll link to all of your, uh, you know, your YouTube, your Noster, Twitter. Is there anywhere else you'd like to send people your, uh, on YouTube, you're at BTC sessions, anything else that you want to direct people toward? Uh, yeah. So I guess, um, just, a I, I got my website. So BTC sessions dot CA. So Canadian of me, oh, they, sure. haven't, they haven't shut that one down yet. <laughs> um, but, uh, there you will find, um, like a getting started on Bitcoin track and it'll kind of give you like step-by-step, -step, like video tutorials to kind of get you going all the way from like beginner to running your own node and doing coin joins. Um, and then there's also ways to like, if you need one-on-ones and stuff, you can find me there and there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff over there. Awesome. So BTC sessions.ca. Indeed. Beautiful. Well, Ben BTC sessions, thank you so much for coming on. This has been uh, an absolute pleasure. Um, and I'll just say to the audience, uh, thank you. Uh, Bitcoin is scarce, but Bitcoin podcasts are abundant. So thank you for spending your time to listen to this one. And, uh, yeah, cheers. Great to have you. We can do it again Thanks, sometime. Man. I appreciate it. I'll uh, love to be back. And that's a wrap on this Bitcoin talk episode of the Bitcoin podcast. 
If you're a Bitcoin-only company, interested in sponsoring another fucking Bitcoin podcast, head to bitcoinpodcast.net or send me a DM on social media. You can find me on Noster by going to primal.net slash walker. If you want to follow the Bitcoin podcast on Twitter, go to at titcoinpodcast and at walkeramerica. You can also find the video version of this podcast at youtube.com slash at walkeramerica and at walkeramerica on Rumble. Bitcoin is scarce. There will only ever be 21 million, but Bitcoin podcasts are abundant. So thank you for spending your scarce time to listen to another fucking Bitcoin podcast. Until next time, stay free.